Go ahead and give me that sanity check. <laughs> what? Ooh, too bad, so sad. Looks like you just picked up a derangement, friend. Happy Harvey here, and you'd be insane not to check out Chaotic Click Clacks. That's right, friends. Head on over to Facebook, Instagram, or Etsy and search up Chaotic Click Clacks. Peruse their exotic array of handmade gaming dice. So the next time you're staring into the gaping mall of insanity, you can do so with confidence and style. Remember, Chaotic Click Clacks, where we want to be your clack dealer. Welcome to Maximum Role Entertainment Podcast, where we take the time to interview folks within the gaming industry. And for a short time, we're going to do a small series called Dice Dice Baby. <laughs> uh, we're going to interview dice makers within the community. And uh, like I always do when I try to do something really cool, I try to bring a professional on that knows way more about it than I do. Uh, and our very own uh, chaotic click clack, Jenna, is joining me to help me interview, uh, you know, some dice makers. So I'm going to let her take over and uh, we'll start from there. Hi, everybody. I'm Jenna. Uh, we're here today with Jeremy uh, from Indiana. And Jeremy is the owner of Wyvern Bazaar. Oh, hi. So, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, a, that's an awesome name. Uh, I forgot to mention that Jenna is also a professional podcaster. She's on four different podcasts right now within the Maximum Role Entertainment <laughs> Network. I forgot that last interview. Uh, I'll eventually get that in there, Jenna. I, she's not only a podcaster, but she's a professional dice maker. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to cover that. My bad. Go ahead, take over. Yeah, professional quotes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes it doesn't feel real, but that's okay. Um, I'm sure Jeremy can... <laughs> I mean, my, my, my bar for, for, for professional is like, as long as you've gotten paid at some point, you're professional now. Right. Fair so enough. Fair yeah, enough. yeah. When I get my monthly allowance, I guess that counts being a professional. Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. So, you know, you know, we, uh, you make dice. Uh, and I always ask people most interviews that I do as uh, with D&D players and podcasts and such. And so being dice is something new for me. Uh, but I'm going to, before Jenna takes over, I kind of want to dive back. What got you, like, do you play D&D? What got you into the point up to making dice? D&D uh, was one of those things that I feel like as a kid, I was always looking for it. I just had no idea. Like, I knew it existed just because, like, D and D is such like a common thing, you know. You you see it referenced in like cartoons and stuff like that. But uh, I actually got into D and D. I want to say 2013 or something like that. I have uh, my coworker then, a good friend now, who was my first DM, uh, my buddy Rick, who got me into it. And I now recognize what happened because as a person who plays D and D, whenever you hear somebody just casually mention oh i'm kind of interested in D, D. like all your sirens start going off be like this person needs to be my friend now we're gonna play D D this weekend and that's more <laughs> or less what happened that's how that's how we got uh one of our players brent um he's an author and when he we i we ended up in job corps together short story mm -hmm. by the way we ended up oh, in job corps together. i had no idea what it was i graduated early from high school and then 
I went there and I was like, what is happening? I thought it was a, you know, just trade school. But Brent was like, yeah. oh, you know, I it, in the waiting room, he's like, I kind of played some like D&D &D and stuff. And I immediately was like, all right. Uh, and I was like the RN. And I was like, oh, you're my roommate. <laughs> I built my entire, uh, you know, D&D &D group. I just kind of absorbed them into our four person room. And uh, yeah, so anytime you can like someone says D and D, just like immediately gravitate towards them. Like we're best friends now. We just don't know it yet. <laughs> you know that kind oh, of stuff. I, I I fell I fell into it like immediately. Like why we started with three point five, and you know I had that great experience that that now I've given to so much uh, to so many other people of being like, oh you know you can kind of do anything, be whatever you want to be. Like what do you want to play? And they're like, I don't know, is this a thing? They're like, anything's a thing. What do you want to play? And I remember like the one thing I said was like, I want to be a barbarian who turns into a bear. And he goes, yeah, okay, we got that. Barbarian, got it. Uh, yeah, I want to be a barbarian. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, you're a multi-class druid uh, barbarian. And they're like, you're in what? It was like a oh, weird what? like prestige thing. I can't, I, I barely knew how 3.5 worked because I immediately, I didn't even really know about the additions. I just... I immediately went out, got like a D and D book, and it was fifth edition. So then I started getting, I then I started getting all the books, and it was just a whole rabbit hole that I went down. And now you're in it. <laughs> well, because then, then it's like, then there's the 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 evolution of like the DM, which is just the sudden realization to where like you want to play way more than your DM wants to DM. So <laughs> I guess you have to be the DM now, and that's how a DM is born. Accurate. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing I, I, I can play a game for, uh, I can start in the morning and end at night, you know, take a lunch break here and there, short breaks, but I, I can play a game an entire day. Haven't done it in a while. Uh, maybe when I get back to the States, uh, you know, go to Jenna's and we could, we could do this match. She's got like a really cool D&D &D room yeah. that everybody's jealous about, uh, but we can yeah. play <laughs> You know, ten hours straight. You know, most of us have. Like, you own your families. own house. You can yeah. do whatever you want. Oh, we we I talk about have that. This power, but I do now. Well, we talk about that all the time. Of like, whenever we moved into our quote unquote like forever home, like it has to have a basement, and the basement is just gonna we're gonna like redo the entire thing so it just looks like an old tavern or something. Yep. And yep. luckily, I have uh, my fiance is just as big of a dork as I am. So perfect. Like if I just swung the camera around, like this is our living room and we have like posters of anime up on, we have figures all over. Oh, yeah, it's I've one of those. Background. So the listeners, uh, I'm looking in the background, I'm like, is he in a game store? Uh, that, that's how <laughs> oh, that? Yeah. So, so this <laughs> thing like right here, um, it's always cute whenever somebody asks like, what colors do you have to ink the dice? This is my fiance's little dice carousel. She used to work at a, oh. a Menards, which is like a Home Depot. So this yep. used yeah. to be like a postcard rack or something that they had. It's <laughs> full of paint. Like Perfect. that whole thing is just a Just like me. I need to get one of those. That's how I need to organize my paints um, for my uh, inking as well. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, um, it's, it's hard to get everything in one. Like behind me, I I have I've got shoved into the smallest room in the house. Uh, my daughter took over my office, which was the second biggest room, and now it's her room. So I get shoved in here. So like all my stuff's like compound right behind me because there's really nothing to the left and right of me. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I guess I could try to make this work. 
you know, and Jenna's got maps behind her, but she's got a giant dice rug and really cool setup. And... Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's I, all my maps are like on this wall right here. Like I have the uh, uh, the not another D and D podcast map of Bohemia, and then I have uh, Rashar from Brandon Sanderson's uh, uh, nice. Stormlight Archive, and then like yeah. posters I've gotten from Gen Con and stuff like that, or various art things. Nice. Yeah, you're you're now. Uh... Where Gen Con, Gen Con used to be where I am, but now it's. Yeah, I, mean, I actually, I listened to your episode. I, me- I heard you kind of talk about like the going yeah. to Gary Con and things like that. All that I, stuff sounds so much fun. I love Gary Con. <laughs> Let me I, know if you want to go with the next one they have. Oh, I. We got like the giantest Airbnb and we all just like, it's like a well, live, breathe d and Because I was, I was like halfway into D&D the last time I went to Gen Con. So that was, I want to say almost four years ago. And I planned on going this past year and just be like, I'm going to go all four days. I'm going to get a hotel. I'm going to be there for every, I want to go to every event. I want to try all these games. And then the world did what it did. Son of a bitch. Pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been playing D&D for so long. I haven't been to a con yet. And so... I feel really bad because everybody's like, cons, and I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, right on. Uh, I've got invitations to run games at cons, but I've never actually gone to a con. Living in overseas and everything, it's hard to... to is, is there not like a... Well, you're in Germany, so do they have like conventions? Yeah, they have one in, U- in the UK that's pretty big um, that I really want to go to, but if it opens up. And Satine Phoenix is going to come this way and uh, and go to that one, so I might tag along with her uh if she lets me uh and do the uh gilding light and the um battle of the bards that's coming out uh around that time so i think she's coming over here to do that uh this year maybe i don't know yet yeah the first time i was just so like i've never really been to a convention before so i was like overwhelmed i didn't want to take part of like anything because i didn't want to be the one guy who like doesn't know what he's doing or if there's some sort of like Con behavior that you're supposed to have, and then <laughs> con behavior, <laughs> con etiquette, or whatever it is. You're like, what's this guy doing? Like, what? Like, I didn't have. Uh, I, I think, like, right now, if I needed to, like, especially if it was a D and D game, like, I could just come up with a character, and be like, oh yeah, this is uh, Tyler Malkovich or something like that, and just be like, and just make a story up on the spot for him, just to like fill out a character sheet. But like at the time, I was just no. I didn't want to do anything that required like on the spot, like creativity. Fair yeah. enough. That's how it works sometimes. And I was lucky. I started when I was little, going to Gen yeah. Con. So I, I have no like, just like whatever. Well, <laughs> I mean, back in the day, it took hours to make an actual character, mm-hmm. and, and now yeah. you can make a character. Like you could really put a character together in about fifteen minutes. Uh, you might not know much about that character, but you drop yeah. windows and you, you can you can click one together real quick. Uh, where you know you back in the day going to a con or something like, or to someone's house for like a two day game kind of thing for like the weekend, you had to mm-hmm. pre make a bunch of characters like during the week before you got yeah. there. Like, oh god, if I die, oh I have a mage. He only has four hit points. If I fall over, that's it. I'm done. I got to make another character. And how like you know, <laughs> yeah, it's. it's- <laughs> It's a little bit harder to die now. Yeah, yeah. Now it's yeah. Um, 
Well, when I was little, nobody wanted to kill me because they didn't want to make the little girl cry. So um, nice. That's weird. For <laughs> boys, that's all they wanted to do. Oh, your character died? <laughs> Ooh, what are you going to do now? <laughs> you know, throw the table. It's just so funny because like as a, as a DM now, like having the time to just make up so many different characters, you, you almost like, you don't want your character to die, but you almost want their story just to end so you can start the next one, like do another one. Like I have so many more characters than I do have D&D campaigns. So it's, it's rare that you actually get to like play all of them. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. Right now in our main podcast, we're at level 10 and I feel like people were getting itchy to make, you know, a second character. So I'm trying to get them a, a base of operations to go to. Uh, and so they can make another character within our world. Mm-hmm. our game is completely homebrew so uh the tables you know you can do pretty much anything you want uh in our world so hopefully that's why i try to do that so that people don't want to go make other characters because yeah build them up <laughs> uh but no it's hard to to tell people like just this one character the entire you know however many seasons we do but um it's character development you can change your character as you go right like that's how right. like growth works or you get shot with a proton pack. And about how character development works. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had one game when the, what is it? The Acquisitions Incorporated book came out. Oh, uh, so, so it kind of had like that foundation of like, oh yeah, this is a business. People come and go all the time. So we, we had one game where I think each of us changed characters like five or six times. And nice. it was just different groups of people. Nice. I love it. So getting back to your business tell me about um kind of how did you get started in dice making and how long have you been doing it oh boy so I want to say this was two years ago when the dispelled dice oh uh, yeah kickstarter first showed up like I'd always like I, I don't think I've ever even seen like handmade dice before before that like I just never knew it was a thing and then immediately after searching into it there's this whole like weird like world of like oh yeah tons of people make it and people do all this cool stuff I think I had seen the dispel dice one and at that time who was it t t and toucan the one with the ship in the, oh, the yeah, dice yeah. I think I might have seen that but uh once I once I realized like oh yeah this is a thing people do and this is a whole community where people make stuff, they um, I I have this thing in my head where if I think I can make it I won't buy it. Instead I'll spend ten times the amount of money just trying yep. to make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I start I started doing it then, hit it, hit a major wall, and then immediately kind of. Stopped. I put it on the back burner. It was driving me nuts. Like I had the, I had this whole issue with like my face. Whenever I'd make the the cat molds, yep. My face was like too raised, so I'd end up like Loading erasing. Out. Yeah, I'd, I'd end up erasing like the the number one or whatever number was on the face, and it just yeah. drove me nuts. That's but, fair. Jeez. And. Oh man, it was, it, it, it was such like a heartache for me that I just couldn't get this right that I quit for a little while. And then yeah. kind of, I think once COVID happened, like everyone's hobbies and stuff got taken over. Sorry. Yeah. One second. Yeah, I'm looking at oh, we, your- we got, we got, we got a dog during COVID and he is relentless. <laughs> oh, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to see if my roommate can 
hold on to them for a second. Cool. No All right, sorry. Well, Jenna, I'm looking at his dice. I'm uh, uh, flowing through here. I'm going to ask him questions about uh, the supports, actually. Um, sure, I like, sure. I like the way he has the support. So whenever we get to a point, we'll um, uh, crap. Action. All right. So yeah, I had had issues where I just couldn't get the, the dice phase. I was never happy with it. So I ended up taking a break. And then uh, in the middle of uh, COVID, I kind of took it back up again, just as something to do. I already had all the supplies, I already had all the resin and stuff still. And something weirdly just clicked. Um, I, I kind of got back into the dice making community and like was just more forward. I think half, I think half the issue was I didn't want to be the, the newbie kind of bothering. I didn't want to bother anybody with my questions, which now I realize is ridiculous because like, I'd love if somebody just texted me with a dice making question and be like, Hey, how do you do this? And I'm just like, yes, here's my 10 paragraphs. And like the couple people that uh, I've made some masters for where they're just like, Oh yeah, I'm kind of, curious about how you do that. And then they just get like this wall of text response of exactly how I do it. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, thanks. You know, I'm sure it's <laughs> one thing I've loved about the dice making community is that we're all kind of really into teaching each other. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, we're like, oh, you're new, come, come into our group hug. We're gonna teach <laughs> you. We're gonna tell you our secrets, even though they're not really secrets because we've made all these files available for everybody to like yeah, for look sure. at and all these techniques and videos. And so I really love that it's really a community. It really mm -hmm. is. Like everybody gets something from it and everybody gives something to it. And I love that about it. Yeah, like I've um I, I I keep wanting to make like I've seen people do like the reels and TikToks of like how they make dice, but I'm just so bad at like recording myself. <laughs> I'll be halfway through making dice and be like, I didn't set up a camera. And like I remember like thinking to myself, like, oh yeah, when I make when I pour when I do a pour today, I'll just set up the camera on a tripod and I'll edit it together later. And then you can't do that in the middle of a pour because then you're missing the whole front and then your hands are covered and the resin from with the gloves and it's a whole Yeah, issue. and then you've got the respirator sounding like Darth Vader in the background and it's a mess. Oh, I, I, I always have to turn off the audio when I do videos. I only do videos for our Patreon though. Uh -huh. So <laughs> uh, I, I had, I had such like a weird, like, uh, uh, what do you even call it? Like just an anxiety issue because the, I had one mask where I don't know what it was, but it made a little wheeze sound and I was yeah. streaming on Instagram live and it was just going. Uh, you like, didn't have a just over and over. It's, uh, it's, it's not a proper it seal. Is? Yeah, you don't have a proper seal. Oh my God. The military having wearing pro masks and stuff. Yeah, you will wheeze if you don't have a proper seal on it. Oh, around yeah. it. Okay. Well, I mean, I switched out mask and it stopped. So it's a good thing I did that. Right, yeah, right. yeah. Otherwise, you'd be huffing all that epoxy and that's not good. Uh, oh, <laughs> and, and like the, this. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, good. You're good. You're good. I was saying like the whole and the whole like resin safety thing is now it's a lot more in the like, like whenever people ask about dice making number one on the list is always like safety equipment. And then when I got into it, I didn't really know that. So I remember, uh, after doing like my first pour, uh, I went on like, uh, some board or something. And I asked the question, I was like, guys, how do you get resin off your hands? It, like, it's getting really sticky. Cause I wasn't <laughs> gloves or anything for it. Yeah. And then immediately someone jumped in and like, don't you have gloves? 
And I was like, oh, no, I mean, I didn't think I'd need them because I didn't really get that. And they're like, no, no, no don't do that. Gloves, and they need to be nitrile. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, someone sent me the link. There's like a whole board that's like resin horror stories. And I was just like, oh, OK, so I'll just completely suit up every time. And that's completely OK, because I don't want any of that to happen. Now, this is in the <laughs> oh. uh, not not the the dice, you know, 3D printer phase, right? It, that's in the the pouring of the chemicals or the whole time, because uh, uh, I make so, masters and I don't wear half of the stuff that I probably should be wearing. Uh, so when I, when I take like the, when I take the dice off the bed, I always wear gloves. I don't usually right. have a respirator for that one. I have a pretty, like I have it in my living room and it's like a vaulted ceiling. It's really wide and open. So I, I don't think it's an issue. Um, if anybody ever like asks what they should do, I would probably say, oh yeah, respirator, oh, at the yeah. very least gloves. You just don't want it on your skin. I'm printing yeah. literally right next to me. That's my Mars uh, 2 Pro just sitting right next to me essentially. And I'm, that thing, when I go to make the masters for Jenna, uh, it runs mm -hmm. from uh, an entire bottle. I'll run an entire bottle in about uh, 18 hours or 12, 12, 12 hours of running to get all. Uh, do, do you find that you have any like elongation issues? Like where one side, whatever the sides face down, like gets a little bit stretched out? I, I What I learned about that uh, uh, when I started doing it, instead of printing uh, all seven dice together, I print mm -hmm. all the 20s and all the 12s, I print them in separate, so they're in group. Uh, and Ooh. so it, it doesn't stress your printer trying to do a D4 and then trying to do a D20 at the same time. So once I ah. did that, it's printing them all the same. And uh, I didn't have any of those issues. Like I, I can get 24 D4 diamonds uh, per uh, dip without worrying it, it not uh, printing on all of them. That happened the first I might time. I have to try that. Uh, and it goes faster so instead of doing four hours to do like a full set of seven it takes two and two hours eight minutes to do oh wow d20s and then you know each one of them is a little bit different but they're only like 10 minutes apart from each other uh and you could fit eight d20s on on the plate and you can fit you can fit a ton of dice it's all about the the supports like how tense you do them but do you do you make them any bigger because you're on the on the mars or do you do the same like normal like kind of chess exercise chess exercise whatever the the uh uh the standard know, the standard that i could get from the uh the file to play with i haven't Not actually, that big <laughs> yeah i haven't okay. i haven't done the actual like making my my own on on the dice blender but uh i've just wanted to test it uh, with the existing ones that I've seen out there, and uh, oh, okay, I, I I had a I had an issue where I think it might have just been the font that I was using, but uh, the numbers and stuff weren't really showing up that well, and so I had um, um yeah. I, so I, I had to kind of like switch switch it up and like kind of make it a little bigger. So like these are mine, but so oof, I've got a little bit of a bigger hand here, but these are yeah. about. I want to say about five, five millimeters bigger. I think they're 25 yeah. millimeter altogether. Okay, yeah. well, so what I, I was just, uh, I'm not creeping on your Instagram, but I've been checking out your Instagram mm -hmm. uh, and I saw your support system. Uh, I So when I do mine, I angle them. So it's one tip uh, angled down 
and then I build the supports like a, like an X along every edge. Uh, and so when it's yeah. angled like that, all your numbers are angled, and then I put one support at each of the middles, and it the numbers come out just fine. Before I wasn't doing that, and my numbers were coming out really weird. Uh, yeah. Put a little support thing like in the middle of like the three and the four. Uh, yeah. For some reason it keeps it together. I think when I do mine, so like I do them like basically exactly like this. And then I do what's called, I think it's called like the fins where yeah. you just like make a long line of just like supports. Yep. Uh, That's exactly how I do these ones. Yeah. 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 And that um, once I found out how to do, I think that was kind of one of the big game changers for me because I was like, oh, now I can basically print almost near perfect master dice. I don't, yeah. I won't have that issue of like, because uh, half the problem I was having were like, I was eroding away the face of one of my die right. was yeah. it just wasn't deep enough. Yeah. And so yeah. by the time I sand the masters, I might have started at like 0.8 millimeters or whatever, but it would be yeah. like 0.1. And then you have to go through a molding phase. And so that sands it down a little bit more too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You always want to make them a little deeper than you think you need them. And well, the ones I just, I sent to Revel was, uh, I think it was just a full, like one millimeter. So like, I, I, I like it, especially once I got over the weird bubbling issue. Yep. And half that, I think is just me. I was pouring too fast, was too eager. And then I didn't like pressure pot it right or something. Oh Yeah. Well, when you're doing cat molds, it's kind of a, you gotta, it's like a, you gotta really learn how to like roll the cat on there properly. Like you can't put too much resin in or you get the floating faces where it's too raised up. Yeah. You have to put more than you think you need, but not too much. It's like a, and it's a fine art, right? And then you have to roll it on at a 30 degree angle so that you're like popping the bubbles as you're putting the mold, you know, the mold cap down. And then I put weight on mine to keep it from floating. So I like stack my molds on top of each other. Oh, yeah. in my pressure but, uh, that's, that's what I do too. Uh, <laughs> what I have is, or what I started doing is I was taking too long to, uh, to kind of get it in there. So like it, it, the, the resin was getting like real oh. like goopy and syrupy. Yep. And so when you do that, it won't, it won't compress as much as if yes. it, it was just like yep. warm and liquidy. Uh, and then I also found, have you seen like the, the Takro, mold system yep i have i have that mold system yeah okay i made my own so all right so uh well mostly because I have anything against them i just they were always sold out and i was impatient um yeah so like I, that's legit what i like about that system too is you won't you don't have the divots to where the resin can just flow into it yep because I, I was having an issue where like i put too much resin on the top yeah. And I know I'm making a lot of hand gestures for this audio podcast, but that's all right. <laughs> it's okay. I do it too. <laughs> uh, so I put, the, I put the, the resin on top and, you know, it fill into that gap. So whenever I, whenever I put the, the lid on, um, it's almost like that lid doesn't have, it always creates that ever, like that little extra inch. Yep. Um, and then especially whenever it gets like cold, like, do you oh, have that yeah. issue where, like, the resin's cold, so you can't really make it? Midwest problems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I started doing is, because I have, like, the, the silicone cups that I mix my resin in. Yep. Um, if you get, like, a throwaway, like, coffee 
thermos cup now uh almost like yeah. a like a yeti coffee cup uh i've just been hot water and then kind of making like a double thing and stirring it in that just yeah. you know make sure you don't ever use that coffee cup ever again just in case yeah um <laughs> But that way it kind of like, it warms it up. And as long as you have like a casting resin and not like a tabletop resin, you won't get that like flash hardening. Yep. But yeah, I, I keep mine next to, I have a space heater and oh, okay. I keep it next to there. And that's where I like leave it open for a little bit for the bubbles to like come to the top. And mm. then I, you know, it's kind of like a perfect timing. Like you know, I even open while I'm pouring the next mold. And yes, then after yes, that yeah. one, I pop it and then I, <laughs> Like I have a whole process. <laughs> it, it, half of it is just about time management because like when yep. I first started making them, I'd spend like, I wouldn't have everything ready. Like now I have, I prepare all my molds. I prepare all the stuff I'm going to get in the molds. I have like the resin dyes right next to the little like Dixie cups that I'm going to yep. use for the different colors. And before I yep. stir the resin and kind of figure it out as I, as I went. And then for my 40 minute work time resin, I'm like, 30 minutes in and I'm just now pouring. Yeah, no. And then it's getting goopy and like honey oh. and it's, it's too much. Yeah. yeah. The struggle's real. <laughs> so what do you um, draw your inspiration for your dice from? Like, um, so recently it has been more character based because I kind of opened my commissions. And so when you do that, uh, what, what I ask people is, uh, I need like a theme or a character that I want to base it off of. And then anything that I've made previously, like that you kind of want it like. And so I get like a lot of really like, I'm sure you guys know, you ask anybody who plays D&D about their character and they'll talk to you for a half hour about it. At least. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I kind of go mostly just characters and then, uh, then just other dice makers that I see do cool stuff. Yeah. Like I know there was a, there was a phase where people were like writing the little messages on like little, uh, yeah, little, well, like water, not watermarks, like, um, like just little pieces of paper where they'd be like Eldritch Blast. Like it's like a spell oh, scroll. Yeah. yeah. And they write it on there. And so like, I, I wanted to do that forever. So recently I had a, what I, I've just been calling them infernal contracts because I, I bought this paper that I put all my, uh, I know this is again, audio, but like this paper that uh, uh, I print all my little thank you letters on, which is like parchment paper that you can just order off of Amazon. Yeah. That's I found like a, a script that's just like runic script. And I just typed in a bunch of like random nonsense. So like, Nice. Because, you know, you can't really see it anyways. And then kind of like cut it up and burn the edges. Like you would make like yeah. a, a scroll for like a handout in a D&D game. And then yeah. use that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You do the, uh, you do the, um, the little presses. I oh, can't see it. I'm right in that flight. But I got one of these too for the company. So, oh, the wax seals? Yes. Yeah. So, oh, I love it. I put it on everything. Yeah, I see yeah. that you have that wax seal thing. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm not the only well, one. Sweet. Well, because what I started doing, it, it kind of gives them a little bit more personalization. I'm about to send these dice out. But uh, if you mix the wax with uh, like hot glue, you kind of you get that color, but you get a little bit more sturdier of a seal. So I started putting them on like dice bags. Oh, nice. Almost as like a cool little like, um, I don't think this Personalize is for this one. Personalize your but, dice bags. That's so yeah, cool. you got a personal little dice bag and the dice bag is like 
it's not that expensive, but it's not nothing. You know, people have like, we'll have a little dice bag that they can use to hold the dice in. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And so it's like a good little like gift. It's kind of like an all-in-one kind of little gift package. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That, I mean, that's, that's really cool. Cause I think that one of the challenges as like a business maker or a business person who Mm -hmm. makes dice and sends them out is like, how do I package my dice? Like my, I've just got little hollow bags and I'm like, whatever, but I said, you know, they get the stickers and like the little thank you notes and all that stuff. But you know, it's always like, how do I package them in the coolest way possible? So that's a really great idea. I love it. Well, like my main inspiration, like I said, was the the spell dice is when I first got into it. I was like, I want to make dice like that. I want to do what they're doing. And now it's kind of like shifted and altered. But like I bought like jewelry boxes. So like because uh-huh. I wanted to have it like, oh, here's your I can have one right here. So it's the little padded jewelry boxes. Yeah. And yeah. So, the idea would be like somebody gets to open it and then all of them are right here and it's it kind of looks like it makes it look like super special and like you almost it's don't like want to roll them jewelry, but it's better because it's math rocks exactly <laughs> but then well because then i started thinking i was like yeah but then people have the box and what are they going to do with the box now and it costs like a dollar fifty per box if you buy them in bulk and yeah all that cuts into you know especially since you're a, a, a business major, like you already know that like, you might want to like, this does nothing to the quality of my dice. Like it doesn't do anything for me. So yeah. I figured something like this is just a lot more fun and usable because no one's going to carry around the box with them to hold their dice in. No, but they'll carry uh, uh, around a little dice bag. Yes, Actually, yes. Uh, uh, if you want to go into to trademark your, your logo that you have with your stamp, uh, mm-hmm. to trademark... Uh, dice in the gaming field, you actually have to have a box or a bag or something with your logo on it to represent that it was manufactured from you the whole time. So uh, oh. doing that, if you get to the point where you want to trademark that, which is really expensive, by the way, uh, yeah, it's... You, you do your own packaging. Yeah. So that would fall into a category. Uh, so gaming, uh, to even be trademarked in that category, you have to provide the boxes and stuff or the container that it would be in with your logo and not have another company's name on it. So you're doing the right thing if you if you want to go to that bar because you're already doing that. So yeah, it works. Well, that wasn't that like a whole like court case with uh, what was it Elderwood with their little hex box dice? Uh, it was like a whole. It was like a whole thing. It'd probably be a whole nother podcast you can make out of it. But right. Well, I that the that whole there's 24 categories to do trademarking. That mm-hmm. that was a long time ago, but I'm sure they've updated it to match that. Because I wanted to trademark my logo on a dice and they're like, okay, so the packaging actually is what you're trademarking with your image and, and on the dice. Mm-hmm. So it's a deal package. You have to everything so is- it's 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 these dice presented in this way is yep. you yeah and that's trademarked that you're the only one who can use that at that point so oh. i it might have came from that case and that's usually how laws are in place when mm-hmm. uh, during a case you know a court case those are how those laws are written so it could have been i mean who knows well glad to know yeah, i'm doing something weird. right <laughs> I, I love it though it's it's creative and apparently uh good for trademarking um mm-hmm. But yeah, so tell us about how, what, what do you, where do you see yourself as a dice maker in like five years? Um, well, 
Wyvern Bazaar. Sorry, hold on. Uh, Wyvern Bazaar always, uh, I wanted it to be more of a, um, that's the reason kind of why we chose Bazaar. I have my fiance and another friend of mine, Justin, who we kind of came together to kind of make this thing. And then I just got super into dice making. So now it's, I'm more a part of it than kind of they are. Um, but we wanted it to be this multi, it wasn't just going to be dice. That's why we're not Wyvern Dice. That's why I didn't want to be Wyvern Dice. I wanted to make, uh, I think we wanted to make dice bags. We wanted to make, uh, my fiance is an excellent painter and she wanted to paint many figures that we'd print off. Um, I'd love to make like a little, um, like 5e, like, um, what do they call them? Everyone has their 5e compendium that they make of their own, their own homebrew stuff. I wanted yes. to do some stuff yep. like that. Um, so, I mean, in five years, hopefully, if I can just make like any amount uh, of money on it where I can just do the math and it works out that I can live off of it, that's where I hope to be. And I'd hope, I'd hope for my own personal development that I'm not still just doing dice dice. I think I'll always do, but you know, have something, maybe I'll start a, a get a podcast started. That's, that's kind of something I've always wanted to do, but never really had the time and commitment and you know, there's, it is a time you, you, you yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a time consumer. Well, it's not really that bad, but when you have seven podcasts that you do and, 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 work on like seven more it's <laughs> it is time consuming but uh you know it's if you could keep it in the same realm and i think dice i don't know any dice podcast out there right now uh that they just talk about dice i mean that could be something there is a definitely a market with all those the with it, dice goblins i mean there's a huge market for <laughs> people want to know about dice so that you could be on something or dice themed D D, where like the money is all just click clacks, and <laughs> <laughs> you all play goblins. <laughs> I, I thought about trying to make like a custom, uh, like dice, like class, like of maybe of like the artificer or something like that that I wanted yeah, to yeah. make. But I figured half of it's so weird to make like a class out of something that everyone at the table uses. So I, yeah. I the the longest or the furthest I got was like it's just roll tables. And it's just using like different dice, like in your roll tables. I love yeah. it. <laughs> uh, gunslinger, but they shoot dice bullets. <laughs> yeah. Sharp D4s, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the D4 caltrips you can just like throw down. Yeah. I, uh, other than that, I think I made like a custom, uh, like, homebrew magic item that was just called the gems of enticement which are just like the picture would just be a bunch of dice and the idea is it's kind of like a uh, in any of the magic items where you just get a bunch of one thing is it's just like dice in a bag and you family out of it and roll it and like everyone has to make like a saving throw for whatever whatever this uh whatever this dice is so like if you grabbed like a d20 out of it rolled an 18, make a certain saving throw or else for the next like so many rounds, they'd be like stunned because, or, or not stunned. They'd be, um, they'd be trying to get the, uh, they do everything they can to get your hands on that. So you can cause like a big ruckus. I love it. I love it. I love the chaos of that. Um, 
That's yeah, no, I think that's the dream, right? Make a living doing what we love. Um, that's an admirable goal. And I hope you get there. I hope we all get there. <laughs> oh, I, I hope, I hope there's a way that like every dice maker I see, like it's such, it's such a cool, like new art community to be a part of it. Like I was, I, I kind of trained as an artist throughout high school. Like that's something I always wanted to be, but it just, at the time it wasn't really realistic for me to do it. And yeah. it's like, this is the most amount of money I've ever made from anything I've ever made. Yeah. And it's, it's not, not that it's, it's not like I'm rolling in it or like, like I'm making a ton of money, but even just a couple hundred dollars that I've made from it is just like, so amazing to me that like people want to pay me for something that I've made is yes. wonderful. I, I, yeah. It's totally like humbling. Like, I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. I didn't expect this. Maybe grandma wasn't lying when she said I'm an awesome artist. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Love you, grandma. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, it sounds like you took some inspiration from Dispel Dice. Who's your favorite, like, big star dice maker out there? Um, I have. Let's see. Recently, it's been uh, Druidic Dice. If you ever see, they do a lot of yep. really awesome like petri stuff uh yeah which doctor dice i believe is another really big one yep um but like especially when i was going through like trying to nail like petri dice like i was just glued to their page just like looking through and be like oh man they do it so they they got like such a strong petri effect which i'm just now kind of able to do right <laughs> someday maybe we'll be that good <laughs> yeah I mean, but it, it jumps. I mean, half the time, like my favorite dice makers, like what am I looking at right now? Like just scrolling through the through the feed. People have so many creative things that they do cool. on there. It's hard to pick just one favorite. I like different styles of dice. Like yes, really like. yeah. And yeah, I mean, and I'm not like glued to one style of dice. Like, do you have a favorite style that you like to do? No, I don't, I don't think so. It's, it's yeah. um, like, I didn't even make dice for myself and up until like a month ago. Me either. Because <laughs> it, it's, well, it was always going to be like, if I start keeping dice now, I'm never going to want to get rid of any of these. And I'll just yes. have like, a big hoard of my own personal dice. And I sell three versus my 20 that I have in like a dice bag. I agree. And I'm like, I can always make it again for myself yeah, yeah. if I want to in the future, but then I never do. So yeah, I also made my first set for myself after a year. <laughs> um, finally, it was like, I'm keeping this one. This one's mine. It's mm -hmm. mine. Um, but I agree. And I always am like, well, what if I become like, you know, the drug dealer who uses their own supply, you yeah. know, with the dice. Yeah, don't get high on your <laughs> own supply. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to my own dice and then I'll never make money and that defeats the purpose of it all <laughs> well I, I I just have a number so I have I kind of calculated like I did this with almost any hobby I got into leather working for a little while and my whole thing was like if I can pay for the cost of my tools yep then I'm I'm in the clear after that I can do whatever I want because I've already paid for the cost of my tools I won't have that like regret uh and so hopefully if the math works out right in my next store update which will be in like a week uh i'll have paid for i would i would i would broke even 
So then, then after that, it's like, if I want to, I can quit or like kind of make it more of a side hobby and I can move on to something else, but I have to at least just make that number up and break even. And then I can do, I'm free to do whatever I want after that. Yeah. That's what my wife tells me. She's like, oh, this adventure, you have to, you got to pay off what you've spent. I'm like, damn it. Uh, it (laughs) takes a while to get there. uh, Oh yeah, it does. Well, I made, so I, there wasn't just that. I also had the deal with myself. Um, at the beginning of January, I bought one gallon of resin. I said, this is the last gallon of my own money that doesn't come from dice making. The, yeah. the, the last supply that I'm ever going to make uh, out of my own pocket. And yeah. so luckily it's worked out where, you know, my last dice sale went really great. I was able to purchase some uh, some new masters. I was able to get like, I never thought I'd buy the big tubs of silicone, but like I just bought some of those look at you you have made it that's amazing oh if it's self-sustaining i'll i'll ride this out i'll see where it goes right i love it that's amazing congrats thank you (laughs) right on yeah i like it uh you got anything else jenna is there uh trying to remember we're at 45 minutes folks i think we got a little bit more uh you know, we kind of, I wanted to dive in on, on supports, but we kind of already did that. Uh, I want, <laughs> basically I watched videos uh, and Jenna graciously, I, I felt so bad messaging her about every 30 minutes. I'm like, I don't understand what this is. And I'm sure she's over there. Like, God, just go to the, here, here. And he, like, she's like, go, go, you know, but YouTube really does the, the, it helped with uh, setting up the Mars too. Uh, oh yeah. The booklet wasn't any help in the, and the, the video, which I wish I could remember his name, but he's a British guy, uh, walked me through the whole process and like how Absolutely. to do that and then do stuff like that. So actually, I didn't get to ask this question yesterday, but have you mm-hmm. tried to take multiple colors of resin, so like clear and like green, and as you're going to do the print, have you combined both of those? You know, like on, on, on there, it has like a max in the mid-level to fill. Yeah. Have you ever... So- I have, I imagine it'll just, I imagine it'll work, but what I think would happen is there's so much little micro movement happening that you might just get a mix of the colors. Like yeah, that's what you I'm would thinking. think it would make like a cool, like tie dye ish look throughout it. But part of me think that it would just start off one color. Maybe you might get some of the second color and then like the last like three fifths of the project will be like whatever combination of whatever you right. just poured in. Yeah, I mean, it is just going to be a master and then, and, you know, not the showcase, but I, I'm just curious. In, in the case of like, you have a bunch, I mean, as long as I have the same cure time, I can't imagine that it'll harm it. Like you might get a weird color out of it, but I like if you just have like a little bit left of like three different bottles, I'm sure you can just pour it all into the, to the, so to the good. resin thing. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm like, is it possible? Because that's the first thing that popped in my head because I like to try to think outside the box. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I wonder if I could just mix a few of these. And the guy explained, you know, don't use black resin because when you, sometimes it's not going to work, especially if you're making like minis and stuff like that. It really messes it up, like the angles of the arms. Yeah. For the for the uh, Mars too. So I, I didn't buy any black, but I think. I'm- uh, uh, do you alter the cure time at all? Like the light? The the, oh, the, the, setting the, the exposure time, sorry. Yeah, the exposure time at all. No, I mean, it showed, you know, like you could set it to whatever you want, but I left it at mm-hmm. default. Um, is, 
one of the tips I got was uh, it, it kind of helps with my, I used to have like a really bad, like elongation of the dice to where if, if you looked at like the D20, you'd have one side that's just kind of like jetting out to the side. Uh, I think the, the exposure time for mine was set to like eight seconds. And then I just cranked it up to 11. Cause somebody was like, yeah, if you have a longer exposure time, it kind of like strengthens the dice a little bit. Yeah. Uh, kind of as it's pulling up, but I'll, I'll have to try. I'll have to try some of the stuff that you were that you were saying earlier. Yeah, because I mean, I, Jenna has a better idea of what the dice look like than I do. Because I, at first, when I pulled them out, and I was like, "Yay, the twister!" You know, they're clear, and I go to mix, rent them, and <laughs> and now they're horrible, cloudy. But you're like, "No, what, what happened?" Yeah, so about three... I think he's like, "Jenna, what is this?" I'm like, "You have to sand and polish them, buddy." And, and he's like, like "What?" Oh, three sets so later, I'm like, "140 dice," and he's like. Okay, have fun. Here you go. Uh, oh, and, and then I then I went through this horrible phase where I started getting like holes in my dice, and I spent oh. a month ripping my Ooh. hair out trying to figure out what is happening. And then I didn't realize it until I I put on like sunglasses and like held up my phone to like look at the the light of the LCD screen, and the LCD yeah. screen had like a hole, not a hole in it, but like a crack, and yeah, so that, that just that resin. Oh no. Yeah, I went through two bottles of resin, just being like, "Why isn't it working?" Just yeah, couldn't that, figure it out. Screen. Luckily, oh, no. at the Mars too, they sent me two free ones to go with it. But really? I'm extremely <laughs> careful when I do it. So I did an entire bottle without having to scrape the bottom of the plate, or uh, not the plate, but the 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 pool or the whatever container. The, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so. If you mess it up, then they stick to the bottom of the of the mm -hmm. thing, and that's where you have to get in there and scrape, and that's where you can poke a hole or damage the you know the film underneath, and then you get that really shoddy. Uh, what I recommend too, it's it's super, it's been super helpful. Is uh, I got a flex plate for my um, the little arm that everything prints on. So basically, instead of having to pull it off and then trying to like scrape it off with a scraper, mm -hmm. all it is is just like a, uh, it's basically a really strong magnet that kind of connects to it. So you can have, uh, you can pretty much take it off, like without even taking the arm off, you can just take off like the base and then it's a spring steel. So you can just pop it and it just pops right off. You don't have to scrape anything. Oh, that's smart. I usually just do one big clean, you know, at first, I was like trying to inch it. I'm like, this is going to take yeah. forever. And then I watch a video and it's like, you just got to one swipe, you know, get it at a good <laughs> angle. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, have you ever used the the water washable resins? Uh, no, I've, I've only used the one bottle that I have is the stuff that, you know, Jenna sent me a bunch of links. And I, mm -hmm. I follow those folks because they're the professionals at it. And I, uh, yeah, my I first time. I get water washable because of all the cure inhibition issues. Yeah. Oh, what, does it really? Well, maybe there's mm -hmm. most of my issues. Um, <laughs> yeah, it has higher um, chances of cure uh, inhibition. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, well, I was going to videotape the first time, like when the printer is coming up. I was like, yeah, and then like taking them off and all that. No, that was a train wreck. I was spilling the alcohol everywhere. The resin was oh, dripping. Man. And I'm like, no, it was like a, a Swedish chef over here trying to like do stuff. And like it fell on my keyboard. I was like, <laughs> fuck. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it could be so messy so quick. But like I, I had the, that's so funny you say that. I've never heard the water washable 
like for mold making, how it, how it, how it uh, increases cure inhibition. I'd never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> I got pretty deep into it one night when I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I just go down dice making rabbit holes and then, it, then I know everything. Well, not oh. everything. There's never, never knowing everything, but like as much as I can possibly know about it. It's like I got like anxiety about like creating molds and like buying the best masters that would not. <laughs> yeah. I, I recently had this issue where um, my dice were like sticking to the, uh, to the silicone. Yep. Like I had to, and that's when I just kind of gave up and said, you know what, I'm just getting like laser printed dice. I'm so tired of dealing with, with the, uh, I was having so many issues. Well, that could be it. Um, do you use inhibit X with it? So I had used inhibit X for a while. I know one set, it, it's almost weird. Like it, it wasn't until I realized that there could be an issue with inhibit X that I started having issues with inhibit X. It was yep. so weird. Cause I, I bought a, I bought a whole bottle of it. I used to just like dunk it in there, let it dunk it in there two or three times, let it dry and then straight to mold and it would pop right out and everything worked just fine. Yep. And then I read somewhere that it could cause issues and it wasn't until then and it, it might've aligned up with using water washable and inhibit X that Actually, like yeah. caused this. Is it yeah. really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I wish we talked <laughs> yeah. three months ago. So much heartache could have been saved, but I've had yeah. like, four, yeah, no, um, in like the thirty dollars worth of silicone to use. files, there's actually a whole thing on care inhibition, and I like read. It's really boring if you're not like a, a sciency person, mm -hmm. but like I like kind of skip through like the science lingo. I mean, I'm sort of a science person, but not like chem chemistry person. <laughs> but I like I like wanted to understand what the heck was going on with yeah with these things, and I was like, what's going on and yeah. Oh my gosh. We do a lot of trial and error in this in this work and in this this hobby. I have, I have let's see, these are the masters I made. And I think this was the last set that was I don't I think it was water washable. I got it from like it's called like eSun or some some brand called something like that. But I mean yeah. I got them so nice and crystal clear and then they stuck to my mold. And then it just like <laughs> Oh. Sorry, I like to make sound effects for what I'm <laughs> describing when something horrible happens. I think that's I think that's just the D and D player in us. Yeah, yeah, the D and D player in me. <laughs> and that's my job on the podcast to edit, all, like to add all sound effects, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, I I can do that. I will put a sound effect." Yeah, no, <laughs> stop making your own sound effects, and I'm like, Doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> next next year, uh, voice sector section you have to have like a foley artist somebody who just like sits there and records all like custom like sounds for D. &D. i do i yes. do want to have that i we get some voice actors sometime that will npcs uh will play the game and then i'll script out that conversation and the, they'll read the script for the npc and then i'll cut it into the episode so most of the time the players most episodes players that's their first time listening to uh i i might throw in an npc's different uh -huh. voice and then the sound effects that i add and things that i cut. so it's like a new experience for the players as well oh that's so cool like that's I, I, do you have like like open casting for that sort of thing oh for voice acting oh yeah anybody yeah. wants to do it i you know it's you'd be surprised how many people are like oh, i would love to be a voice on a podcast uh for an i NPC. would love to be a voice on a podcast uh, but <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> 
Yeah, at the end, you know, at, afterwards we can talk a little bit, and then, uh, I mean, yeah, definitely, there's no problem. It's a lot of fun. When I when I started going through like that DM rabbit hole, I started because I wanted to do coming into it from like the um, uh, I watch a lot of um, I'm, uh, believe it or not I'm not that big of a critical role fan. Something about just the way they play it just it doesn't engage me at that much. But I watch a lot of like Dimension Twenty and like not another D and D podcast. And I I I know there was that what do they call it the Matt Mercer effect where it was kind of like not frowned upon, but like, you know, obviously that's not the only way to play D and D, but I kind of want to play that way where like everyone has like their own, like unique little voices. <clears throat> so I went down like a weird, like voice acting rabbit hole and like started watching a bunch of uh, interviews with voice actors and all their little tips and tricks to like, all you have to do is just sound slightly different if you just do this thing. And yeah. like, yeah. if you I'm talk from like the back of your throat versus the front, like that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I just, as a DM, I try not to to do like the same voice for everybody, and I have a hard time trying mm -hmm. to come up with different voices. I'm like, my solution, I'll just find someone else to do it because I'm already editing. Why not put that in post? <laughs> well, I mean, like you don't really need much because I I have a big issue where I'll start with a voice and then it slowly transitions to just me talking. I have the opposite problem. I start with a my own voice, and then uh, after midnight, I devolve into uh, a grandmother from Brooklyn. I like Serene's <laughs> voice. <laughs> I, it's it's well, I mean, you kind of like find the voice along. I've had a I've had a couple characters that have kind of like started with one voice and then like find it along the way, or I just yeah. start with like, oh yeah, the you talk to the, to the, to the baker and then the baker's just me talking, but then he starts getting a little bit of an accent. Cause like I have family up and down the East coast. So yeah. I, my fiance pointed out that whenever I talk to my dad, I start talking with a little bit of a New York accent. Cause he's from New York. Yep. Just because I'm used to whenever I'm there, I just, that's how I speak versus yep. being in Kentucky. You start, I started, you know, you start saying things like oil and water, like, just yeah. because you're around it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'll make fun of Kelly. He's from Texas. I know. Uh, you wouldn't know it. Wouldn't know it. Uh, luckily in Germany, I haven't picked up their accent because, you know, Germans, I just never know if they're mad. I got into, me and my friend, he's German, <laughs> and we went to park somewhere, and he's like, oh, this is employee parking. We can't park here. We parked there anyway. It was at a castle room, uh -huh. and this lady drives up, and they sound like they're ready to fight. Like I thought she was going to get out of the car and start punching him. And I, I thought he was going to start punching her in the car, like this 60 year old lady. Uh, and he's like, okay, bye bye. And like, he's like, it's cool. We can park here. I'm like, what? what? That, that, that did not sound or look the same. Uh, he's like, it's fine. Uh, she said that they're not going to be here for the rest of the That's day. So we can smiling park. in the U S yeah, you have to smile. Yeah, but even then, you don't know because we, there's so many weird subtleties throughout. Like, uh, yeah, I uh, I was listening to uh, oh man, what podcast was? There was some podcast I was listening to where somebody lives in uh, somebody just moved back to Japan, and they're so like the way their language works is there's like honorifics that you have to use, and mm -hmm. like based off of like your like your station in relation to like another person, so like someone yeah. who's older than you, you'd speak to them a, a different way than somebody who's younger than you versus yeah. somebody who's the same age and you're kind of on the same like 
station as them. It, it's so, it's it's very interesting. So, if you're yeah. into that sort I of thing, I guess. That in the dice making community. <laughs> oh, I, like, well, we don't want that. Longer. That's what we don't want. No, no. Yeah, right. No, I like how how we're not hierarchical. You know, like everybody helps each other. You know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yep, yep. Well, I think you know uh, it's been a great talking with you. And I, you know, I was looking at your dice, and I was about to purchase some, but then you said you're going to release another uh, round of stuff, so I'll just wait. Uh, yeah. yeah, April April ninth is the goal. April ninth yeah. is the store update. <laughs> so everybody, check out a Wyvern Bazaar on April 9th. And where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on my Instagram, which is Wyvin underscore bizarre. That's W-Y-V-N. Uh, and other than that, they, they can go to Wyvin.shop. Uh, I actually just got uh, WyvinBazaar.com too. I went ahead and started linking everything together for the website. Yep. And um, and yeah, that's 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 it for now until I start making other things. I was looking at, I was like, oh, I really like the oh, salt. Damn it. And I was like going through and I started to get I'm like, oh, I don't want to buy a $15 set of dice. I, I really like these other ones. Uh, so it's going to have to wait. I think that's something that Maximum Roll is going to do. Every time we interview, uh, I'll go through and, you know, pick up a set of dice and then uh, maybe, oh, I mean, just... maybe uh, give them away uh, down the road. Unless I really love them, I'll keep them. But do I like go? <laughs> He's promotion. gonna all the dice. Do, yeah, do like a cool giveaway thing. Yeah, do, yeah, for sure. If um um yeah, if you want, just hit me up. If I'm I'm I do giveaways all the time. One of the reasons why I got so popular is just as a challenge to myself. At the end of last year, I did a giveaway every single week until the end of the year. Oh and my that was gosh! Like, oh yeah, I I had some all nighters a couple times just trying to make that that deadline. But bless you for that. <laughs> just i've been so lazy with giveaways lately that i am not but i just started one so yeah check I, that out for i started i started time. doing them on like 500 so like every 500 yeah. now I'll, I'll i'll do a giveaway and I, i'm thinking about doing one for the store launch too but i'll figure that out this weekend i'd love well, to congrats have... and everybody check them out yeah definitely right. check them out and uh we'll definitely have you back on uh and what i've said to the last couple uh, folks um when uh when you have something new coming up or coming out or you want to showcase something just let us know and we'll we'll re-interview you about uh techniques or we can do a whole nother episode about support some uh, oh we could do one or, just on 3d printing i mean yeah yeah i you know i want to do that too i want to get a group of people together to talk about it because i am very new at it and i was very surprised that i was able to get through an entire bottle of resin without destroying the printer my body uh or the dice themselves. so <laughs> his well, body's still up for you know i know i, I we'll see we'll see <laughs> I, I was my by the time my wife got home i was sitting there doing all the dice and and my my COVID clothes um sweatpants i went downstairs mm -hmm. and she's just like huh the so Amy goes to daycare and you just go upstairs and uh, and have fun, huh? And I like looked, I was like, oh my god, because uh, there's spots <laughs> everywhere of like resin and and the I forgot yeah. to warn him that resin is messy and you should not wear clothes that you're emotionally attached to. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I'm, I I don't think I've had like a, an unstained shirt since I've started dice making, just from either 
paint or or sanding down dice. You oh, get paint. Like that. I get paint on everything. <laughs> I spilled the alcohol everywhere. I was holding it, and then I, I, somebody, I'm like, all right, gotta set it down. Don't spill it. And I sneeze. It was like a comical moment. I'm like, ah, God, it's everywhere. And I'm like, ah, my whole the office smells really strong. the dog left that's how bad it was he was like i'm out yeah the, the wackiest situation i've ever had the wackiest most dangerous situation i've ever had is you know how you use like a lighter on the resin to get rid of the bubbles yeah. okay when you make petri dice without alcohol ink don't do that i don't yeah yeah because alcohol is flammable flammable yeah which i know but you know when i was doing it i just kind of like did that and suddenly it's just like woof, and i had this oh yeah like, you didn't think about oh no it, oh no <laughs> uh, 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 what do I do? Uh, flaming dice i i, I was just immediately go to record logan or whatever to the later because what i did in the beginning was i accidentally got like i dipped it in the resin on an accident and then my like um. finger was just like full of resin at the top and it was like all right, well, this is trash now. Whoops. Yeah, I, I, we have we have a heat gun. I need to use it, but I, I think whenever we, I'm, I'm setting up like a whole resin workshop in the garage. Uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, my garage whole, is also a resin workshop. Yeah, but it, all right, well, thanks for hanging out with us today, Jeremy. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And again, we'll have you back on when we do, uh, when we get three more people. Uh, we'll get everybody back together and do a, a group talk and we'll, we'll talk about the uh, dynamics of, of the uh, dice, dice community uh, marketplace, essentially. Uh, okay. And everybody can, you know, say their piece about it and uh, I'll learn more about it. The whole idea is that I need to learn as much as yeah, possible. He, so I he just wants a, to learn. That's the whole reason for yeah. this. Uh, that's what we're here for. It must be one of the <laughs> academic things. I, I just want to learn from everybody. So again, thank you for coming on and we'll definitely have you back uh, soon. All right. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Roll. Join us each week as we interview folks within the gaming and entertainment industry, such as writers, illustrators, artists, podcasts, Twitch and YouTube streamers, social media content creators, handcrafted gaming apparel and merchandise and much more you can find maximum roll on apple and spotify and anywhere else you find your podcast if you want to be interviewed on the show just email us at maximum entertainment at gmail.com or instagram at maximum underscore roll underscore entertainment underscore llc and if you like Maximum Roll, check out some of the other Dungeons & Dragons podcasts and streams on the Maximum Roll Entertainment Podcast Network, such as... Ah, uh, you know what? I'm just going to let them tell you about their shows. Looking for unique and fun twists to your normal D&D podcast? Well, then check out Crumpets and Kerosene. This fun-filled homebrew game takes our adventures from the modern world into a land of roving gangs of killer clowns, creepy British children, and the mating habits of dragons, and even Santa Claus. Join Jason, Alora, Merle, Sophia, Quentin, and Serene as they quest their way through the realms of mystery and evil. You can find Crumpets and Kerosene on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, and everywhere else you find podcasts. You can also find us on Patreon. Just search Crumpets and Kerosene and get even more wild and crazy fun.
Hey, hey, stop on by DD420.com. We're a guild of role players brought and bound together by Common Drive, the love of role playing games. We bring our individual skills and personalities together to breathe life into the worlds and games created by our game masters. We also offer podcasts such as Late Night with Jess and Jam. We have custom content, a bestiary for 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, and a Discord server where you can find games or just hang out and make new friends. That's DD420.com. Need some excitement on that morning drive to work? Welcome, adventurers, to Constructed Chaos, a live play Dungeons & Dragons podcast full of unpredictable antics, borking doggos, and engaging fantasy storytelling and roleplay. With sessions recorded in a professional studio setting, you'll feel every bit of the action and hear every snide remark by the snarky NPCs. Jump in and have a listen to our flagship campaign, The Wrath of Zealous, to help us construct some chaos. This is Mark Reinhagen, creator of Vampire the Masquerade and all those other monster games. If you like what I did before, you're going to love the Accursed series of games using a narrative version of the D20 5e game system, in which you play cursed beings in a dark fantasy setting called Lost Lorn. I'm working with a collective of artists, writers, and game designers called the Tailspinners to bring this world and these games to life, and you're welcome to join us on the ride. We are releasing a new zine every month, uh, which in a series of six, detail and outline a unique and amazing campaign setting. We started with Bloodstone Isle and are moving next onto Invictus, the city of bridges. For a nominal sum, you can get these delivered to you monthly on Patreon. Just type in patreon.com backslash lostlorn. Thanks for listening. Ali here, announcing our newest Patreon-exclusive show, Call of Kafali. Join all the players from Compass and Kerosene as they play brand new characters in the eldritch world of Cthulhu. Set in England in the 1960s, these humble folk must delve into the dark corners of reality and face the most dreadful horrors in the great unknown. If you want to hear me spook our players and unravel the secrets of the universe, be sure to join our second tier Patreon level and tune in every month for Call of Cthulhu. In a world of magic and mystery... Where danger lurks around every corner, a new type of hero emerges. Brave, resourceful, potty trained. I, I, poop, I, I, I pooped in my pants. Well, maybe not potty trained. Coming soon only to the Crumpets and Kerosene Patreon, it's Babies and Broadswords. Someone please, my pooped in my pants. Games like Dungeons and Dragons are more popular than ever, but with tons of rules, mountains of books, and so many dice, it can be hard to know where to get started. That's where Dungeoneering with Jason comes in. We're Dungeon Masters for Hire. Take a break and let us run your next game. One-on-one tutorials are also available for new DMs. Contact Dungeoneering with Jason today. Adventure is just a click away.